Hello everyone and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We're pleased to present the very first episode in our Chang Su series, a new series that we're starting that follows on very nicely from the Lao Tzu series as we, we gently wave goodbye to Lao Tzu even though we've been doing the Lao Tzu series for about four years now so we've been we've been chatting to him for quite a long time. So now we're we're gently moving on and exploring what Chang Su has to say. So in a similar style to the Lao Tzu series, we're going to be uh, reading a short passage and then having a chat and seeing what we think about it and what we thought Chang Su was, was saying in this excerpt. Before we begin, we did a, a little introduction to this saying why we were going to be doing this and what it was going to be all about if you want to pause now and go and listen to that first come up with a structure and a, a way that we want to meander through Chang Su's thoughts here so uh, Pete's now going to explain where we're going to begin and why I'm going to start with a short passage uh, from the Chang Su which is entitled action and non-action and as Anna said, we're not going to approach this by simply going through one at a time, as per the book, as, which is what we did with the Lao Tzu. Uh, the reason why we're not going to do that is that there are, there are different collections and selections from, from the Chang Tzu, uh, which end up in different orders and, and so on. And uh, partly for that reason, but, but partly because it feels like the way in, We've picked out some themes, and we'll be taking uh, passages from the Changsu that deal with those themes. And the first theme is indeed the, the very, very important theme that we teased out many, many times in the Lao Tzu, which is non-doing, Wu Wei, the, the power of non-action, the method of non-action. Uh, other, other themes that we'll, we'll pick up, which again are themes that We've really been able to elaborate quite far by our engagement with the Lao Tzu are, as well as doing and non-doing, is the, the actual practical application of non-doing. And uh, the, re the, the report that Chang Tzu gives of the actual application of the non-doing methodology in arts and crafts and, uh, and in general artistic and creative skill. And Chang Tzu actually very cleverly, I think, gives us a phenomenology. Gives us the report, the first-hand report of the craftsman, like, like the uh, the butcher in the famous passage, Cutting Up an Ox. We get the phenomenological report of how he experiences his, his mature creativity in action. And he relates it to an interlocutor, and that, that's kind of brilliant. So there's, there's quite a bit of stuff about that which I want to look into. Also, of course, politics. Chang Tzu, like Lao Tzu, is political. He's a political meditator, which is why I love these guys. They always write their very individualistic efforts to find their way through life in a contemplative fashion to the broader society to the communities that they live in, to the political arrangements that, that they uh, they find themselves thrown into. 
and that, that that's a, a deep thread I would say in, in Chang Tzu that he carries over from Lao Tzu though giving it a slightly different twist and finally uh, the theme of meditation will occur over and over again as it does in this one the, the whole fabric of the, the text is shot through with a concern for meditation and the the non-technique you might say uh, that the Chang Tzu recommends there's quite a bit of elaboration of that so that's where we're going with this over the next few weeks and then we'll see uh, I will mention that the numbering system is I don't really know what it means to be honest I'm, I'm going to use mostly the, the way of Chang Tzu which is the Thomas Merton uh, paraphrase I suppose of, of the bits of Chang Tzu that he likes right? so this is, this, is, this is not a scholarly exegesis of the text and the language and anything like that this is us allowing this, this pr production from Thomas Merton to irritate us and in a productive way and what we're offering to you is the productions of that irritation if I can use the word irritation without giving it too many negative overtones in the manner in which a grain of sand might irritate um, an oyster to produce a pearl now I'm not saying we're going to produce a pearl I'm hoping we'll produce a pearl you know we, we give it our best shot all this stuff I feel pretty sure we'll produce a pearl. Yeah, but but it'll be pearl-shaped, shouldn't it? Yes, but yes, but we're, but what we're not going to do is have an anxiety about that, which which, which paral no anxiety, no, which paralyzes our efforts. Yes, but. I mean if we're going to have an anxiety attack about doing a series uh, uh, about the writings of Chang Su, then that's definitely not the right way to go about it. Well, it isn't, as as <laughs> as will be pointed out very shortly in the in the text. Anyway, I'll just as I said, I'm a, I don't know what the numbering system means in the Thomas Merton. I've looked through this morning for a key where, where he explains it. By the way, this is how I'm numbering them, but he doesn't. Or if he does, I can't find them. <laughs> anyway, this is number number eight. Uh, it's, it, anyway, this is, I presume, chapter eight, X, I, 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 and part one. So it's chapter eight, part one. Yeah, so whatever that means. It'll mean something to somebody, but just so <laughs> that we, we have, we've done the... Uh, our, uh, duty. Very, very thorough. We've done our duty by the academy and give you, <laughs> give you the nearest thing we can to a reference. All right then, so do you want to give it a, a read through? These are, are quite different to the uh, the Lao Tzu's in the, in the way that they they are much longer, but um, they they are very beautiful too. So they're certainly worth the time. Yeah. Take it away, Doctor Yates. Yeah. So this this is this is one of the shorter ones. It's looks a page in a bit. It's called action and non-action. The non-action of the wise man is not inaction. It is not studied. It is not shaken by anything. The sage is quiet because he is not moved. Not because he wills to be quiet. Still water is like glass. You can look in it and see the bristles on your chin. It is a perfect level. A carpenter could use it. If water is so clear, so level, how much more the spirit of man? The heart of the wise man is tranquil. It is the mirror of heaven 
and earth. The glass of everything. Emptiness, stillness, tranquillity, tastelessness, silence, non-action. This is the level of heaven and earth. This is perfect Tao. Wise men find here their resting place. Resting they are empty. From emptiness comes the unconditioned. From this the unconditioned, the individual things. So from the sage's emptiness, stillness arises. From stillness, action. From action, attainment. From their stillness comes their non-action, which is also action. And is therefore their attainment. For stillness is joy. Joy is free from care. Fruitful in long years. Joy does all things without concern for emptiness, stillness, tranquillity, tastelessness, silence and non-action are the root of all things. So when we were doing the uh, the Lao Tzu series, what we'd often do is we'd, we'd work through it line by line. So we, is that the way you want to approach it with this, or are we going to take it more in its entirety? Well, both. Uh, I think this, this one does merit more or less line by line, or kind of concept by concept, you might say, chunk by chunk. Okay. It's conceptually very dense. I could talk about that for 24 hours and... and, and and I wouldn't even have started. But I'm not going to do that. You'll be thankful to hear. Yeah. But, but also with a sense of the whole. The first thing to note here, and, and Chang Tzu makes this point in the very first line, is that non-action and action are, are not stark opposites. We're not talking manichae and good versus evil or anything like that. They're not stark opposites. Uh, what does he say? The non-action of the wise man is not inaction. And we've reiterated this point many, many times that the, the condition for a, a human being to be able to operate through, through non-action is one which might be actually quite productive, quite creative, quite active. You know. And... Uh, Certainly, as far as the uh, the wise man or the wise woman or the sage is concerned, non-action and action are definitely not stark opposites. Because the, the non-action of, of a sage uh, can be very, very creative and productive. Or the, or the non-action of a, a very, very skilled craftsman, craftswoman or artist. Or, or anybody in any kind of creative endeavour whatsoever can be very, very pr productive. So they're not stark opposites. Well, the reason why they're not stark opposites is because they're not things. They're not, they're not states. They're not objects. What they are is processes. Uh, for, for a, a mutually dependent processes. You know? 
action is always becoming non-action and non-action is always becoming action just as yin and yang are transforming into each other incessantly eternal and eternally until the end of time that's what they'll do not opposites in that sense always in a transformational and mutually dependent erotic relationship with its its so-called opposite and this is this is the the ancient ontotheology of the mutual dependence of opposites which you find in pretty well most ancient cultures or and 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 their sort of remnants or their the the or the aspects of those ancient cultures which have survived in, into the present day it's just a a notion that's spread very very far and wide and over very very long period periods and this is this is that you know now it's noted in this in the very first few lines that you can't will to be quiet to be silent or to be inactive completely inactive because the act of willing would itself be a kind of action i always say it's a kind of noise you know that if you strain too hard to achieve a meditative silence the straining the achievement ethos the the doing is a clamorous noise that disturbs the silence which you seek similarly with non-doing any efforts to attain it themselves defeat it because they are themselves doing and this is the key the key point vis-a-vis -vis the method you really do have to get onto that knife edge to find your way, your, your way in it even though I say it's not it's not difficult because there's nothing to do difficulty is only associated with doing you know things can be very hard to do they're not hard to not do you just don't do them <laughs> except it is very elusive all this I always say extremely easy extremely therefore extremely elusive therefore extremely elusive and he gets this of course the sage is quiet because he is not moved not because he wills to be quiet can't will to be quiet so he's noted that straight away and then he, he, he does go on to tell us the, the qualities the qualities of a, a mind that has happened into a condition of non-doing obviously it's quiet you know, there's no doing there's, there's none of the noise associated with doing none of the turbulence it's a little bit in the great turbulence of the world where there's a little quiet backwater and the surface of the water is still and Chang Tzu uses that metaphor for instance he says still water is like glass you can look at it and see the bristles on your chin it is a perfect level which of course water always finds a level and it's so perfect that a carpenter can use it see suddenly practical He's talking this great metaphysics, you know, of the metaphysics of the still and receptive mind, the phenomenology of the still and receptive mind. And then a carpenter can use it. You know, this is this is Changsu all over that practical application. It's always it brings you down to earth. He sends you off into the the heavens and brings you down to earth. You know, it's smart stuff. <laughs> I love it. You know, I love the way you can do that. If water is so clear, so level, how much the spirit of man, the heart of the wise man is tranquil. It is the mirror of heaven and earth. 
And this is actually the the teaching in the Yoga Sutra in that that passage that I've been gnawing on lately for some reason, in which uh, Patanjali talks about the reflective mind, samapati, the reflective mind, and that a reflective mind is actually kind of more cognitively reliable. Can we put it like that? But you know, the reflective mind is still mind, and so it it receives its reflection of the world almost perfectly. If the surface is ruffled, all it all, all that is perceived is, is fragments and agitations. So that certainly in Patanjali, and I think also in, in, in Chang Tzu, though less obviously, this is thought to be a type of knowledge, that if we can approach the world of heaven and earth, which is what he means, yeah, with, with, with an openness of being, with a, with, with a, with a a quiet heart. Notice non-doing is also equated with stillness and quietness and emptiness. Yeah, all the same. They're all aspects of the same. Uh, non-doing side of reality, the still side of reality, the ground of reality. Yeah, on which all the turbulence happens, the water in which the turbulence occurs. The silence on which the music is played, the blank page on which the calligraphy is written, and what Chang Tzu is offering us here is, is is the hint that maybe just have a little look there, look between the thoughts rather than at the thoughts, yeah? look at the paper rather than the the splash of colour. Just do that little gestalt switch, that flip, that twist, that turn, that realization into the silence and into the non-doing. Sorry about that beeping, everyone. There's some sort of uh, vehicle outside. Ah, oh, it stopped. It's <laughs> by magic because I mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah. Indeed, Chang Tzu wants to say that this emptiness, stillness, tranquility, tastelessness, silence, non-action, this is the level of heaven and earth. This is the perfect Tao. Wise men find here their resting place, resting they are empty. So it's the whole emptiness. You know, Lao Tzu, of course, is always, he's very much the poet of emptiness, you know. It's the, it's the empty space, which is a window, that allows the light into a room. It's the emptiness which is useful. It's the empty space at the centre of a wheel, which enables the axle to engage with the wheel so that motion is possible. Again, it's the emptiness that's useful, and Chang Tzu has this, this same poetics of, of, of emptiness. But he doesn't stop there, and this is very important. There's now another paragraph, which is certainly in the hands of Thomas Merton. He's, 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 he's placed a gap between these two paragraphs to show this, this to show the two the two sides, the two the two. Uh, not stark opposite opposites, the two mutually dependent opposites. And he makes the point in the second chunk that from emptiness, so we've got to emptiness just by non-doing, we've arrived at emptiness. This is our meditation. Yeah, He's, he's outlining the meditation. 
then it doesn't stop there because from emptiness now I'm quoting comes the unconditioned and from this the un from this the condition comes so you have the Tao and the Tao gives rise to the unconditioned that's kind of the formless that's almost like all the gas at the big bang you might say but I'm being a bit metaphorical there it's just it's just the unconditioned mass of primordial soup you might almost say you know of being the absolute simplicity of being which then through a process of evolution over time becomes the conditioned you know, this is just this is simply this is simply the development of evolution from the Tao to the world yeah. so once we've got the condition maybe you've got you might say fundamental particles you've got earth you've got you've got fire you've got water you've got you've got qualities of inertia you've got qualities of movement you've got qualities of stillness so you're getting you're getting some specifics coming out of this this just amorphous soup and then you get again in Lao Tzu's words the 10,000 things what Chang Tzu is called here or, or Thomas Merton is called here the individual things and say so Lao circles it the 10,000 things so that's the world of insects and atoms and molecules and motes of dust and people and kings and cameras and carpets and clouds and viruses that the world of 10,000 things so there's a, a story of evolution there right now this is this is how this is how has made this very very complete this passage how he's given it this absolutely pristine sense of completeness which is quite it's quite marvelous it's a, it's a thing that you rarely see anywhere to be honest with you and, and he's really done it here and how he's done it is is with the first ch chunk of the the dialectic it he tells us about the involution of meditation now involution is the opposite of, of evolution Right, involution is going back the way you came, and this is ancient meditative advice found all over the place. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, people used to ask uh, Ramana Maharishi, who was a twentieth-century meditation teacher in in southern India, and they say, "Well, what's the method?" He'd say, "Well, just go back the way you came." go back the way you came and what that is it's an internal going in and in and in and in and in and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper that's back the way you came and eventually you'll go back from the 10,000 things to the the more general the more general conditionality of existence you know from the particulars of all the little objects in the world down to like the basic idea of being which is still a con there has to be some being for, for any of this to be happening that's the conditionality and then the unconditioned where that dissolves out into I don't know what light sound you know the pulsation of breath something very very it's, it's simplifying right the way down and then back from there right the way to the emptiness it's a dissolving right you know it's a decrease this is what I call a daily decrease so 10,000 things you come back to like one thing the emptiness and then even behind that, or even deeper in that, is the Tao itself, the great, the great matrix of everything. So it's involution. 
But Involution's only one half of the process for Lord Sue, and this is what makes him a very, very great teacher. Many, many teachers teach up to there and forget the other bit, which is why there's a massive distance between politics and meditators that actually isn't intrinsic in the thing at all, the opposite. Because the other side of the story is the evil is the, the evolution. We've involuted, now we have to evolute. We have to come out. We've gone in, now we have to come out. Yeah. And he describes it, he describes it. It's it's the opposite trajectory, you know, this this journey we've gone right the way into the dough and then we're coming right the way out from the dough into the world. And it works like this. And I'm going over again, really, uh, what, I've, what I've actually just, just quoted. But it's worth it, I think, just to make the point, to underscore the point. From emptiness comes the unconditioned, from this the condition comes. Then the individual things. So, from the sage's emptiness, always remember the figure of the sage. This is how a human being is supposed to be. This is how life is to be lived on the individual level. So from the sage's emptiness, stillness arises, and from stillness, action. Because you see, stillness is always pregnant. Emptiness and silence are always pregnant. The deeper the silence, the more creative you'll become, because the silence does have to express itself. It urgently and fervently desires to sing and create. It's, it's, this, this is so easily missed. You know, and, and, and we, we can think, oh, we've got the peace now, that's it, we've done it. You've got to come out. You've got to come back into the frenzy, as it were. And from this, this action that's arising out of the silence, this massive creativity that's unleashed by once the involution process has turned and is moving into the evolution process, that the, the action arising out of non-action and stillness is therefore the attainment of the sages. And, and sages are regarded and, and, and are placed before us as an image by Lao Tzu and Chang Tzu and many other traditions. The figure of the sage, the human being who's found out the, the right way to live through, through, through a contemplative and meditative process, through, an examined, through having an examined life. But we, 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 we are asked to regard them as people of great attainment. And, and, and of course they do get regarded like that. So people like that can, can be quite charismatic. You know. They don't have to be, but they can be. And Chang Tzu is explaining that sense that we have when we see a sage or we imagine a sage of the attainment of the sage. But it's the attainment of non-doing. But it's amazingly fertile. It's not just a retirement into a, into a cave and somebody will bring you a bowl of rice every three days and you'll just sit there and you'll never open your eyes till you'd fall over and die. It's not that. It's not that. And this is what's so beautiful about it. It completes the circle. So, there is your attainment. But there's still more to say about it because the stillness is joy. The stillness is joy. And as he says, joy is free from care. Well, this is the end of worry, really. 
The joy is free from care and it's fruitful in young and it's fruitful in long years. Now the Dewey Star, even Chants are very interested in long life. Longevity is one of the things I think a sage is an old person because they've, they've actually cracked not dying when they're 20, you know. As no doubt in Chang-Tu's day, probably the average age might have been around 30, something like that, if you were lucky. So there was a great admiration of old people. It was almost like a magical power. And in fact, this whole branch of Taoism, of the alchemical Taoism, which is devoted to achieving long life, sometimes through the use of drugs and herbs and chemicals. And quite a few people kill themselves experimenting with mercury and things like that, you know, in the effort to attain immortality. You know, it's an alchemical obsession with immortality. And even though Chang Tzu repudiates that, and Lao Tzu repudiates it, he can't help but borrow in its currency a little bit. So the sage is full of joy and fruitful in young, long years. And he carries on. Joy does all things without concern. So joy is in itself, like the, the, the energy of non-doing is joy. And it's without anxiety, it's creativity without anxiety. You know. So, for emptiness, stillness, tranquility, tastelessness, silence and non-action are the root of all things. Now what you notice here then is that what's happened in those last few lines is that the, the, the involution of your ego, I suppose, in a meditative process, then it's evolution out as it returns bodhisattva-like to the world to do the job of being in the world, which is the process of evolution from the Tao out to a human being, albeit a sage, a sagacious human being, is one in which the Tao is never absent. The whole process is the Tao. Even though you arrive at a place where you feel as though you've encountered perhaps the the most distilled and radiant manifestation of the Tao, it's never ever been absent from the whole process. The whole process itself is the Tao. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've been looking forward to doing this and uh, diving in a bit deeper into the Chang Su because I've not really investigated it much before. So looking forward to the next one so i hope you all enjoyed that and found it interesting folks and we'll speak to you again soon